Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Ancestors, the idols your ancestors worship when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors? Serve beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Why Should I Serve the Lord? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your spirit to guide us into all truth. Lord, I pray that you would... Touch my mouth and my mind. Anoint me to say what you'd have me to say. God, I pray that you would let us hear from you today. Teach us from your word by your spirit, God. I pray that you would give clarity to this message. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Why should I serve the Lord? This may be a question that you have thought about in your own life. It may be a question that you've never even realized that you've considered in those specific words. But I want to tell you, everyone in this room needs to have a right, ready answer for why you should serve the Lord. Because if there is not a why behind your what, you won't accomplish anything. There's a lot of things we need to do. You can think, well, what should I do today? What what should I do tomorrow? What, What should I do to prepare for my future? You need to have a why behind every goal you're trying to accomplish. You need to have a why, a reason why you do things. Let me tell you, if your why is strong enough, you you will stay with your mission. If your why is not strong enough, you will abandon your mission. You ought to want to be a good parent, amen? Well, why should you want to be a good parent? If you have a good why, because I don't want my kids getting strung out on drugs, raped in prison, die and go to hell forever. That's a pretty good why. Uh, listen, I heard, I heard one, well, I don't know if I can say that. Y'all pray for me. Stuff just comes in my head, I don't know if I can say it. We don't share stuff from Man Up. One, one of the things about Man Up, when you come to Man Up, it is a locker room, closed door experience. What, what we talk about in there stays in there. I'm going to anonymously share something that was said a decade ago, um, and, and, and it, it just blessed me. I didn't have any daughters but it blessed me. This this real life story uh, that from from a man who who said this. Some some of y'all may, maybe this would be your why. Any man got daughters in here? Any man ever had a daughter in the room? Okay. Uh, this this brother said uh, his main goal in life. Now he had like a four year old daughter. He said one one of the driving forces in his life was he believed that every man with a daughter ought to work hard to keep her off the pole. <laughs> Isn't that right? I thought, well, wow, man, you got a good why. You figured out why you want to be a good dad. You figured out why. Listen, you better have a why. 
or you won't keep doing what you need to be doing. Now, I believe that everyone in the room, lost people, if you're unsaved, you, you, need, to, uh, you need to face the question, why should you consider even thinking about serving the Lord? If you're here and you're a Christian, you need to a- answer the question, why should I serve the Lord? And we're going to look at that over the next few minutes. The motto of our church has been from day one, loving God and loving people. We, we're talking in 2019 as a theme about taking massive action. I wonder, have you ever taken massive action in anything? You look at people, you, you see people who have transformed their bodies, uh, gained muscle, lost weight. You, I, I know some people who have some massive Weight loss changes. Listen, they had to take massive action to happen. I am a living witness. If you just sit around, a.k.a. lay around on the couch and in the recliner all month long and just eat uh, Cheez-Its and, and drink Dr. Pepper, weight will not fall off you. I'm a, te- I'm a living testimony. You, it takes more action than that to, to get that process going. But I want you to know... If you really have a goal in life, if you ever wanted to be anything or do anything, you need to determine, I'm going to take massive action. Stop piddling around with it. Stop, stop stumbling around. Stop taking two steps forward and three steps back. But you need to know why you're doing what you're doing. And today we're going to focus on why we should serve the Lord. We talk about loving God and loving people. And I've told you many times, that needs to go beyond words. You ever had somebody that would say, I love you, and you know in your mind, yeah, sure you do. Right? Uh, with a with, with friend like you who needs enemies, right? With, with, with backstabbers like you loving me, I, I'm, I'm good for life. If, I, if, if good means having holes in my back. Love needs to go beyond lip service. Can we agree on that? If someone says they love you, they need to love you enough to show it. If you say you love someone, you ought to love someone enough to show it. We say we love God and we love people, but we got to make that in a tangible way. I want to tell you, Jesus lived that out. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, imitators of Christ, then we're going to have to live the kind of life that he lived. Some people who claim the name of Christ repel everyone. You ever met that kind of churchy person? You ever met that kind of person that somebody sees them coming and everybody just walk? Oh, here he comes. Don't look up. Don't look up. Don't look up. Act, 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 act like you're. And that person right there is not a good representative of Christ because Christ drew people. Why? Because he was as cool as the other side of the pillow. Why? Because he really loved people. He connected with people where they were. He loved God and he loved people in a real way, but he had a mission. He knew what his mission was, and he knew why he was committed to his mission. We all have a choice to make in our life. Will we serve God or not? I want you to consider this this morning because this is the truth, whether you accept it or not. Everyone on this planet serves somebody. You either serve God or you serve something else. And when you think you're serving something else, you might think you serve your spouse or your children or your parents or your job, but ultimately you either serve God or you serve yourself. Either you have God on the throne or you have yourself on the throne. 
Either you value God's will the most or you value your own will the most. Either you do what God tells you to do or you figure out for yourself what you want to do. And I'm here to declare to you this morning, God's way is best. God's way is right. Not only is it best, not only is it right, you will be glad you chose it in the end. I didn't say there wouldn't be some bumps uh, on the way. I, I, I love that old song that says, I, I'm coming up the rough side of the mountain. People, people think that's a hard. Why do we always got to come up the rough side of the mountain? Why can't I have easy travel? Listen, it's God's grace on your life that you're coming up the rough side of the mountain. Thank God for the rough side of the mountain so when you stumble and fall, there's a branch or a tree limb to grab hold of and you just don't cascade down to the bottom. Thank God for the rough side of the mountain because you can grab hold and get a hold of something to help you come up. Don't think the easy way is the better way. See, this this, this is something that is unique to the... Uh, the, the last 70 years in the Lord's church, unique in the history of our church. Every generation, every race, every creed, every country of people for, for all of time understood before this last couple of generations here in America understood the value of hard work. Mm, see, we can't, we can't get much agreement on that. Why we always got to work? Listen, because God has given you work to do. When, when you have no work left to do, you may as well put on a white gown and sit on a mountain because you're done. But as long as you're here, God has something for you to do. And I want you to know there's value in hard work. There's value in coming up the rough side of the mountain. There's value in living an honorable life. For God, and you got to make that choice. Will you serve God or won't you? That's that's what Joshua was, was saying here. And I've seen it on door knockers. I've seen it on T-shirts. I've seen it on pretty paintings on walls. I've seen it on doormats in front of houses. Choose you this day whom ye shall serve. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I wonder if that resonates with you. I wonder if you have a desire just, just to let, you don't have to buy a gold-plated door knocker with that inscribed on it, but I wonder if there's value in you to believe this is what we're about under my roof. We may not have done everything right, and we're still not going to do everything right in the future, but as best we can, we are going to serve the Lord. I hope that's your commitment. I hope that's your dedication. I want to give you some reasons why. This morning, I'm going to give you four reasons why you should serve the Lord this morning. Number one, because of who he is. Is it hot in here to everybody? Turn the air on, brother. My sweat trickle just rolled down my back, crossed over, caught me in the right thigh, and it's stuck right here. I'm going to wipe that off real quick, get some air going. Sweating my socks in a minute. Listen, I already forgot what I was Oh. Why should we serve the Lord? I'm going to give you some good reasons. You ready? Three people. Number one, because of who he is. Say, because of who he is. I could go on and on. 
I, I, I could tell you at length, but if you're not willing to believe it, you're not going to believe it. You, you either have to choose to believe what the Bible says about God. All, all you poop people out there, oh, I got my own deal with God. Me and God got a, got a thing. Uh, listen, you want to know what God's deal is? Sin killed his son, and he ain't happy about it. You want to know what God's deal is? Sin must be punished. Sin must be paid for by death. That's why Jesus died on the cross. So here's, here's the only deal God's making with people. Accept the death his son paid on the cross as payment for your sins and choose to follow him or get to heaven and look God in the face and say, I'm here to pay for my sins, bruh. And he, he will be glad to say, there it is, hell forever. Listen, God is not desperate for followers. This is where people mess up. This is where people, people think, oh, well, we, we, we just got to beg everybody uh, to get saved. I'm not here to sell you salvation. I'm not here to sell you on God. You can choose to serve God or you can choose to die and go to hell forever. The choice is simply yours. I know what choice I'm making. I, I, I know what choice uh, I, I'm leading my family to make. I, I know what the better choice is, but you got to make your own choice. And if you are ever going to know who God is, you're going to have to get in this book. This book is how we know God. This book reveals God to us. This is the only way you will ever, well, I just, you know, I don't like to read. Uh, well, you, you know what? It's not always about what you like to do. Sometimes it's about what you have to do. So Some people, people say, well, I'm just not studious. I don't like to read. If you're going to know God, you're going to have to read this book. So, some people say, well, I'm just not uh, uh, demonstrative. I don't like to get all excited and sing and, and, and be all emotional. Listen, it's not about what you like to do. If you're going to have a close, intimate relationship with God, you're going to have to learn how to sing to Him, lift your hands to Him, tell Him you love Him, bow your knees to Him, and give Him praise. It's not always about what you want to do. It's about what God says to do. So then we go back to what's more important to you, doing you? See, I can do me or I can do he. And, and, and if I do me, that, 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 that's a tough road to hoe. Let me help some of y'all non-country people. It is not road to hoe. That's a tough road to hoe. Uh, you can't hoe a road. A hoe is, is, is a curved blade on the end of a wooden stick that you slam into dirt and break up dirt with. It's a row to hoe. See, if we were all farmers, my, my family grew up on farms, so I know about farming. If we, if we were all farmers, if we grew up, every kid would get their own row to hoe. You go get that row, you get the row next to him, you get the row next to her, and, and there's always that one tough row. The first three rows, they're just dirt, just put, it's all good. Her row, it's just rock. Root, hard clawed dirt. It's a tough row to hoe. Say row. Y'all still not going. Y'all still going to say it's a tough. I just have a tough row to hoe. Some people can't learn. But it doesn't matter if 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 you want if you choose to serve God. If you don't, 
That's your choice. But if you say you do want to serve God, I want you to know that one of the best reasons that will keep you on track for serving him is because of who he is. If you will listen to this book, if you will discover in this book what this book says about God, that's why some people can hold on in the hardest of tragedy. That's why some people can smile when they're going through hell by the acre. That's why some people can still get up and put one foot in front of the other because they've been in the book. They've hung out with the author. Listen, people tell me, it's just a hard book to understand. I tell you this, if you fall in love with the author of the book, he'll make it understandable for you. I, there, there are people who have been around for long enough who got in it, who, who found out more about who he is, and, and when everybody else is falling apart, they just know he is a shelter in the time of my storm. He is a mind regulator and a battle axe. He, he is a right, ready, good, and able God. He's all sufficient and he's all knowing. He's the God who comes through for me. He's the God who's always there protecting me, providing for me. He's the God that has never failed me. He didn't quit on me when I quit on him. He didn't throw me away when I wasn't worth keeping, and he loved me when I was unlovable. See, when you know who this God is, then you decide I'll serve him because of who he is. I want to tell you this morning, if you're not serving God, if you're not praying all day long, if you're not reading your Bible morning, noon, and night, if you're not delighting yourself in the law of the Lord and meditating on it constantly, you either don't know who he is or you have forgotten who he is. See, it's not always about knowing new stuff. If you study this book, and, the, and it says of itself, we have these stories for our examples so we can be better. If you study this book, the people of God didn't need to learn new stuff about God. It wasn't what they didn't know that got them in trouble. It was what they forgot that got them in trouble. And it's what you forget that gets you in trouble. Oh, I just, I want to go to a new conference. There's a new church over here. They're teaching new. Listen, it, the Bible says if it's new, it ain't true. And return to the old ways for they are best. If you really want to get to where God wants you to be, you need to remember. You need to remember. You need to remember what it felt like when you first got saved. You need to remember when you were overwhelmed with love for him because he saved you when you were sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained. Listen, when you were lost and on your way to a devil's hell and God saved you, you realized who he was. He's the lover of my soul. He's the captain of my salvation. And he's the one that picked me up out of the dirt and cleaned up my life. If you ever figure out who he is, you'll realize he's better, he's worth serving more than the government. Now, that's easy when you got a president you don't like. Everybody's anti-government. Hey, he's worth serving when you got a president you do like. He, he's worth serving when the government's making good choices. He's worth serving when the government's making bad choices. He, he's, he's worth serving more than yourself. It's amazing how much time we spend catering to ourselves. It's amazing how much time we spend listening to our own voices. It's amazing how much time we spend making our own choices without wise counsel from the Word of God. You, you say, well, I, well I, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm competent. Really? Could we just review the five worst decisions you ever made and then realize maybe you're not ready to even guide your own life? 
You say, well, what makes you, Pastor Scott, what makes you ready to guide your life and, 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 and to help us guide our life? Listen, I'm not up here saying do me. I'm up here saying do he. I, I'm not up here coming up with five ways that, that Scott thinks will work. I'm up here declaring to you, thus saith the Lord. And if you ever find out who the God of this book is, you're going to realize he's smarter than me. He knows more than me. Not only is his plan going to get me to heaven, but it'll make me feel better along the way. True happiness, and this is something that people don't get. The Bible says, happy are those who obey the Lord. Here's what the world will tell you. Well, that just, I don't think, I got to give up my weed. I I can't get blind drunk every night. Uh, I I can't be whoring around. Uh, That, that, I just, you're taking all my fun away from me. Uh, I know God's trying to take all the things that are going to bring you down. Uh, yeah, they, they, you, you know, you think about pe- people that like to smoke weed, people that like to get high, they, they think about the, the, the good side of that. They don't think about the fact that your buddy's going to roll over on you when he gets caught and they're asking for everybody to know, that they know that they can, they can put a case on. You're going to catch a case one day behind getting high, and then you're going to think it wasn't worth it. I'm over here doing a year and a day in jail. Uh, I'd I'd rather, listen, you ever get smart enough, you realize freedom is better than momentary getting high. Can anybody say amen? You you, you trade your freedom if you want to. I'm not not falling for it. Uh, People are like, well, I don't mess around with weed. I just, just, you know, I I like my Hennessy. Uh, you know, do do you? Well, I I just I I just like I just like to drink a little bit. Uh, hey, do you? The Bible says just don't get drunk. Well, I, I I like being drunk. It helps me forget about the pain. That that's the lie the devil tells you. How how much pain do you feel when you're dry heaving, holding on to the porcelain god face down on the tile, sweating with the room spinning? Oh, y'all never been that drunk. Uh, keep living. You're gonna find out. All these things that you think are, are what, oh, well, God's trying to take all the fun. No, God's trying to set you on a path where, where you can walk through the course of day with your held head high, knowing I'm making good choices and God is happy with me. I'm, I'm living a better life and it's working out for me. You figure out who God is and, 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 and it's going to give you a, a great ability to continue to serving him even in the hard times. If, if I went around and I asked everybody, though, uh, who is God to you? Uh, what do you like about God? What, 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 who, who, do you, who, do you, who, who do you see God as in the Bible? We get different answers, but I want to take you to uh, the most famous psalm in the Psalter. 150 chapters, longest book in the Bible, but without mistake, the most quoted, the most clung to chapter in this book is Psalm 23. And God, man, I know this is God because I didn't want to do it. You, you know it's God when you don't want to do it, right? Uh, you, you know when, when, you, when you're making a good choice, you're like, I, I'm, I'm doing this because I think it's the right thing to do. I really don't want to go that way, but I, I'm, 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 I'm not going to do me. I'm going to do he. You're on to something at that point. I hope you've sensed that in your life one day. It's like when, when you, somebody does something to you and you react properly and you just smile on the inside and you're like, oh, I am truly saved. Hallelujah. Because if I wasn't saved, this would have been going a different way right now. You wouldn't have just got cussed out. You'd have got shot out. Uh, but 
uh, I, so I, I'm sitting there, and I'm, put, I'm piecing this together, and I'm praying, God, give me the words to say. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I just want to, the, the 23rd Psalm. Man, that, that, that's a, just a great description of the man, the Old Testament man who knew God the best. So I'm thinking, oh, and this is such my, oh, it's my favorite. My favorite Psalm is it's everybody's favorite Psalm uh, in the majority. And so I, I wrote it down. I'm like, no, I'm going I'm to change that. Because, you know, ain't but one way I hear the 23rd Psalm in my head. Now, I, I, read, I, I read through about 11 different versions. Every, every verse I read, I read in multiple versions to try to get a, 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 a consensus of what's being said there. Because I love the poetry of the King James Version Bible. But sometimes those words in there, are I just get tired of looking them up. So I have to go to a new version. I used to be King James Version only. I went to a church, uh, that, that's, what, that's just what they believe. They, and they told us, if, you, if, you re, if you're not reading the King James Version, you're reading a perversion. And I'm like, well, the preacher said it. But then I realized, once, once I started this church and started preaching, I'm spending so much time explaining this 400-year-old English where we could just read in a more modern translation. But this today, you came to church on a special day. I have never... Read. It doesn't matter what version I'm hot on. I love the New American Standard. I believe the New American Standard is probably the most accurate word for word. See, some versions are a phrase-by-phrase translation. Some versions are a word-by-word translation. Some verses are a contextual paragraph, a.k.a. the Message Bible. I wouldn't trust that. Uh, that, that that's a little loose with the truth. Uh, but, you know, people ask me, what's the best version? Pastor, I always tell you the same thing. What's the best version, church? The one you read. You, you can be a... Uh, now, most highbrow intellectuals are New American Standard snobs. Uh, there's, there's more scholarship in the New... That's undeniable. There's more scholarship in the New American Standard than, than there is in most other versions. You can be a New American uh, Standard version snob. You can be an old school, I'm King James till I die. Well, if it's just sitting on the counter gathering dust, you're already twice dead and plucked up by the roots. You ain't living at all. The best version is the one that you read. But, man, when I read Psalm 23, and I've preached a hundred funerals, easy. If I got sweat rolling down my back right now, I've preached at least a hundred funerals in the last 40 years. Uh, and, and that's for sure. And every graveside service always do the same thing. Where, where, where's Carolyn? Uh, where's Carolyn Walker? I saw her. Just, I knew I saw. Uh, I, she, she, she's heard it. Uh, Elder Jim and he's family. People I've done funerals at graveside service. I always go to the exact same passage because there's so much comfort in the 23rd Psalm. I've never read it publicly in any other translation in my life. That's a seven-minute long-winded version of. We're about to read the 23rd Psalm in the non-King James Version. I do love the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, though. That's up. All right, let's get in it. Let's talk about who God is. This is why we should serve him because of who he is. Listen to the 23rd Psalm in a, in a way I've never read it uh, out loud publicly in my life. King David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. See, David was a shepherd before he was a warrior. David was a shepherd before he was a worshiper. 
David was a shepherd before he was a king and a conqueror. David was a shepherd. He knew the job of the shepherd. Listen, the shepherd did everything for the sheep. The sheep didn't have to go out and get a job to pay the rent on the field. The shepherd took care of that. The sheep didn't have to sit in a, in a deer stand and hunt food. The shepherd took care. The sheep didn't have to water the field and plant grass. The shepherd did all the work. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I wonder if he's your shepherd. I wonder if you look at him in a personal way. I wonder if you look at him as your need meter. I wonder if you look at him, if you see him, if you understand that if you have the Lord, you have all you need. If you're walking around like some of these people, well, I ain't going to be able to serve the Lord. I, I, just, I just really I just can't get my mind. I, I'm, I'm so concentrating on getting this promotion. I think I'll be able to serve God better once I get my money right. That's the lie of the devil. Well, I, 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 some of y'all just, you know, you're waiting on your spouse to get hit by a bus because, uh, you know, the Bible says don't get divorced. And you're just thinking, once I get shed out of this bad man, I, listen, all that's a lie. You need to understand that you have everything right now. If you got a good marriage, you got everything you need. If you got a bad marriage and the Lord is your shepherd, you still got everything you need. If you got no marriage, but you got the Lord as your shepherd, you still got everything you need. If you're living in a mansion, and God is your shepherd, you got everything you need. People are like, well, if I, if I was living in a mansion, listen, it's not the mansion that's giving you what you need. It's your shepherd. See, so, some people mean it. Other people just nod when it's said. Some people disagree with it. But I want to tell you right now, you'd be better off being the doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than the owner of the greatest mansion in the world. Some of y'all hoping I don't tell y'all what a doorkeeper is. Because you ain't never heard it from nobody but me, so I'm going to tell all those that didn't hear it. How many, how many people never heard me tell y'all what a doorkeeper is? Y'all know y'all ain't heard this. You can't get this at, 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 at normal churches. I'm going to give it to you here, though. Because this, this is what David said. I, I'd, I'd rather have the lowest job on the planet and be in the house of God than be the owner of everything that there is. Now, here's what the doorkeeper is. In Jewish custom... In Hebrew religion, you, they, they let women go to church with the man, okay? So church was a man thing, and, and, and they, they made them sit on different They didn't even eat in the same room, okay? Y'all want to talk about America need to get, get, get current with women's rights. Listen, uh, go to Iraq. They, you know, hey, you figure out what's really current. But when people would come to church, church was only for Hebrews, Church was only for, uh, you know, you come in there, you're like, well, I'm an Amorite, I'm a Malachite, you can't come, you can't come. I told y'all the story about when I was in L.A., and I, and I saw this uh, Jewish dude with the long beard and the funny hat and clothes uh, I, walking. I asked him, was he walking the temple? And he said, yes. I pulled over. In my little rental car, I asked him, and I asked him, I said, well, wh where, where is it? I, I, I'd love to join you. He said, oh, no, you can't join me. They make churches for people like you. I couldn't get in. Uh, I, 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 was, I, wasn't the right, I wasn't the right breed to get in. Back then, they had doorkeepers uh, at the door of the church. And if you showed up and they didn't know you, if you hadn't already been checked out by the doorkeeper, 
hey, anybody remember what God said the mark of his covenant was? That a man had to be circumcised in his flesh? Could you imagine that? Deacon Cedric at the door shaking hand, hugging necks. Uh, excuse me, sir. I, I don't know you. I'm going to need you to lift up your robe and prove it. You want that job? Uh, that ain't a job that a real man wants. That's like, uh, can I just take out the trash? I, I don't want to be the covenant checker. I, I mean, I, I cleaned that up and said covenant. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have, uh, but listen, if you ever really understand that God gives you everything you need, you'll be like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good where I'm at. Everybody, the devil wants you to think you need more than you have. David said, with God as my shepherd, my very personal shepherd, the one who feeds me and cares for me, leads me and guides me, I got everything that I need. I wish I could get you to understand today that if you have God as your God, you got everything you need. You're looking in the wrong, you, you like that old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. David found the right place to look. He said in verse 2, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful storms. I want to tell you something. Rest and peace characterize the life of somebody who's serving the Lord. Rest and peace characterize the life of somebody who is letting God guide them. Rest and peace is what we need. I've said it for years because I'm prone to get stressed out. I mean, I, I got, I'm a single parent uh, with two teenage boys. I, I got a church full of people blowing up my email, cell phone, texting me all hours of the night. I, I'm that preacher that has actually gets up out of bed and, and goes and gets people from the club when they're too drunk to drive home. I'm that guy. So, I mean, I, I'm prone to get stressed out and, and, and tired, but I've got to rest. I got to learn just like you need to learn how to rest in the Lord because there is rest in the arms of God. When you cease from all your labor and you let God uh, guide you and you really start serving Him, you'll find out there's blessing in who He is. Verse 3 says, He renews my strength. I've had so many people, uh, college professors, pastors, talk about burnout, ministerial burnout. Don't, 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 don't just work all the time. You, you're going to burn out. I heard one preacher say it one time, and I loved it, and I'm going to stay with it. I'd rather burn out than rust out. I, I, I'd rather burn out for the Lord than, than just die sitting on the sidelines doing nothing because I know that if I'm serving God, if I'm trusting in Him, if I'm seeing Him for who He is, He's going to give me new strength. He's going to be, every day I, if I get up and I ask Him for strength, He's going to give me strength. He, he, David said, he guides me along right paths, comma. Pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. Get it down in your spirit and digest it. He, God, guides me along right paths. If the Bible says there are right paths, then there obviously must be. Guess which path you're walking on if he ain't guiding you. Hey, here, here's one of the things. Now, y'all know me. Uh, I, I, just who I am. Hate me if you want to. Uh, but I'm always going to believe, because the Bible says so, that Adam was first formed and then Eve. Boy, you can't get no female amen on that. You're like, mm -hmm. uh, Listen, I'm, I'm always going to believe that, that as men, we are the apex predator. 
We, we, we are the ones of responsibility and government. We are the ones that God put into earth. It's, I saw something, I think it was on your deal, uh, about women so busy trying to, trying to prove they can do everything uh, that a man can do. They ain't doing what God created them uniquely to do. Uh, so, but uh, as a man, it, it, uh, a real man, you, you, it's easy to try to think we know best and we'll just go our own way. Uh, I, I love being, I thank God. I tell my boys every day, you ought to get up and thank God you're a man. Hallelujah. And know you're a man. Listen, if you're not sure who you are, I, I'll, I'll pay somebody in the room to door check you and we'll find out. But that's a different message for a different crowd. Here's the downfall of being a man, though. We don't like to take advice. We don't like to admit we don't know everything. We don't like to be wrong. Now, I know some women just as hard-headed, but one thing for sure about a man is we do not need directions. I don't care what it is. You bring home a 79,000-piece entertainment center. I'm talking about to a guy who ain't never put together a, a, a square box and don't even own a screwdriver. He still don't need instruction. They pull out that 19-page instruction. Toss that aside. But, baby, there's the instruction. I don't need instruction manual. That's for women and children. I'm a grown man. I can put this 17,000-piece thing together with a screwdriver blindfolded and drunk. That's just in a man's mind. Anybody know I'm telling the truth? You ain't never used a set of directions to put together anything in your life. Why? Because I'm a man. And we just, somebody told us, we just, we can figure it out. And then you put it together, and what? It, it's crooked and it's leaning. And, and, and you know what? You know what every man will tell you? Looks good that way. That's custom. You can't even get other people. I put that together that way. I want, hey, I like my lean. See, that's just, that's my swag. That's just how I rock it. And, and, but it's crooked. Hey, you crooked. Hush. Four pieces left over. Come along some woman or some child. Well, what about them extra? We don't need them. Throw them away. It's, it's, men, hey, you think I'm kidding? Be riding in a car with a man somewhere. He don't even care what the GPS says. Mm -mm. I rode to Georgia last night by myself. I was up in Georgia, and, and my GPS was telling me I had to go one way, and I'm like, that didn't make no sense to me. I'm north of where I'm living. I'm heading south. And you know what? I headed south. Took me a little extra time because I missed the cut through. But I'm a man. And that GPS don't know south better than I know south. Be try, go ahead. Try it, ladies. Go ahead. Try to tell you, be out on a road trip somewhere. Just ask him, baby, we going in the, yes, we're going in the right direction. Are you sure we didn't miss our, I know where I'm going. Should we stop? Uh, listen. I, if, if you have, I pulled over, I'm a grown man, and I pulled over and asked a stranger for a direction story. Get with me after church, because I want to laugh at you. Hey, because even saved people might be tempted. This bald-headed dude pulled over. I, if I'm, I'm standing on the corner, just minding my own business. This dude, dude pulled over and said, hey, do you know where uh, Firestone Road is? 
uh, yeah, go west on 103rd Street till you pass Cecil Field. You're going to keep going a little while. Uh, you, 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 you're going to come into a dead end. It's going to be called 301. Take a left there and drag it all the way down till you find it. I just might be in a bad mood and want to send bald-headed people on a goose chase. Maybe. You, you never know. But if you get past you and you decide that he is better than me, then he will begin to guide you along the right path. Because I'm going to tell you something. As men and even women, if we left to our own devices, it's easy to find the wrong path. It's easy to find the wrong path. It could just be my upbringing. It could just be uh, the way I came up. I can be in any city in America, and I can find the hood. Uh, uh, they made it easy, though. Civil rights made it easy. Uh, you look up and you see MLK Boulevard. I don't care if you're in Miami, Florida, Hollywood, California, or, or Baltimore, Maryland. If you're on MLK, you have arrived. It is happening where you are because you have. Anybody ever realize that? I, I'd be like, man, I'd be so mad. If I was black, I'd be so mad. I, I'd be like, uh, well, you know, thanks for naming a street after him, but. Did it have to be the worst street in every city in America? But I just have a homing device. Uh, I, I, I've, I've got my homing device set up. We just get in the car sometimes and ride. Me and the boys, we just ride and talk. And we just, just find our way. And, and, and Seth's got that same homing device. He's like, Dad, let's, let, 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 let's, let's, let's go somewhere. And we'll just find our way to Moncrief. We'll be on Florida Avenue, Avenue B. We'll be up on 45th. Uh, and, hey, you never know what you might see. And you never know if you might catch a stray either. So, you know, be, be careful. But if you follow you, I promise you this, you're going to get on some wrong paths in your life with or without a homing device. You're going to get on some wrong paths. But if you start serving God, if you start following God, he's going to guide you along the right path. Say right path. And listen to what it does. It brings honor to his name. How cool would that be? If you knew that the life you were living was truly bringing honor to his name. How good would that be? Every real child of the father wants to bring honor to their father. If you call God your heavenly father, you need to want to bring honor to him. you got to get on the right path, which means you got to figure out who he is. And he's the God who will guide you on the right path. Verse 4, he said, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close behind me. Even when I walk, listen, even in the darkest times of your life, even when everything is stacked against you, even when you look outnumbered, outgunned, and outmanned, uh, even, even in your lowest part of life, you don't have to fear if you know God is with me. You ought to have confidence that my God has me. If you ever get to the place where you truly feel confident that God is, 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 he goes before me and he's my rear guard. He goes before me and he watches for me. David said, I'm not going to be scared because you are close behind. He said, your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. Now, there's, 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 there's some maturity of learning that David had to go through because everybody doesn't understand that the rod uh, can comfort you. See, kids don't always understand that, that, that you're beating the brakes off them because you're trying to help them. 
But see, the, the rod, every real shepherd has a rod and a staff. The rod is used for beating, and the staff is used for pulling people closer. And I believe the job of every uh, under-shepherd in a church, a.k.a. senior pastor, is to draw some and to drive some. That's what a shepherd does. He draws some in, he drives some out. He, he recognizes the wolves, and he beats them away from the sheep. you you got to realize that, that God is not just a God of accepting anything. God's got a rod and he's got a staff. But if you follow him, then the rod will always be used for the right purpose, and the staff will always be used for the right purpose. And God decided he wants to guide and comfort and protect us. Verse 5 says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. I don't think I've ever said this out loud, but I've thought it for the last 38 years. David was kind of a, a great guy. I mean, love the Lord. Uh, he was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says, but he was the kind of dude that liked to see his enemies get it. I ain't saying I'm always that dude, but I've been that dude. Uh, and they, 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 see, David understood the value of sitting down at the banquet table, uh, winning in front of his enemies. I've been telling people for years. Now, listen, as a Christian, we shouldn't live for revenge. We should live for the Lord. But if you get, you get caught in your revenge mind, let me tell you what the best revenge is. Good living. The best revenge is winning. The best proof against your haters is winning. David says, you let me win in front of my enemies, and I dig that about you, God. You need to learn who he is close enough to where you find stuff that you dig about him. He said, man, you prepare. ain't nothing better than, than winning in, in front of your enemies. He said, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. If I ask before I set this up, how many Christians in the room believe that we are supposed to honor God all the real Christians in the room would agree. But I want you to understand the written word of God says that God wants to honor you. God wants to do stuff for you. This is who God is. He, he, he wants to anoint your head with oil. David said, my cup overflows with blessings. Now, this is the same man who spent a large portion of his life scared and hiding. This is the same man who spent a large portion of his life scheming and, and slipping, dipping, and tripping. This is a guy who spent a large portion of his life not always doing the right thing, but he was always quick to come back. There were times in his life where he was running in fear with nothing to eat and everyone backstabbing him, including his own children, but he still said, my cup overflows with blessing he wasn't in that spot here he was in a tough spot here but even in a tough spot if you realize who God is and you understand all that he's done for you you ought to be able to say I'm still overflow with blessing because God loves me and if God is for you everything else is secondary the last verse verse 6 says surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever this verse 6, you need, this needs to be your heart. This needs to be your heartbeat. This needs to be your understanding. If you love God, if you have a relationship with God, if God is your shepherd, you need to understand. He is always going to be pursuing you with his love. 
He's a, if you're saved at all, it's not because you made a great decision to, to get saved. It's because God loved you so much that he tracked you down while you were running away. God loved you so much that he brought an event, something into your life that caused you to want him. Do you know the Bible says you can't even come to God unless he gives you a desire to come to him? He is in pursuit of the people that he loves. And he, David said that's going to happen all the days of my life. I've heard people say that they were running from God. Let me tell you something. He's faster than you are. He's already where you're running. You can't go anywhere that he's not. And God is going to pursue you. He is going to chase you down. Stop running from God and start serving God. Stop running from God and start embracing him. David, David said that he knew that he was going to live in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to have a long-range mindset. I want you to understand that this life is short and there's a better life on the other side. We're just pilgrims and foreigners, the Bible says, passing through. We have a better home on the other side. We, 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 we have a home in heaven. We've got eternity before us, and you ought to think about eternity. Get out of your sorrow and realize who God is. He's a good and a gracious God who loves you. The number one reason we ought to serve God is because he is, of who he is. Number two, because of what he's done. Say what he's done. If I asked everybody, if I went row by row and I said, tell me something great God has done. Tell me something great God has done. Some people would stumble and be trying, oh, what can I say? What can I say? What can I think? Listen, you need to get to the point where you have a right and ready answer for what God has done for you. So think about it. Has the Lord done anything good for you in your life? Has the Lord ever helped you in any way? Has he ever been there for you? Has he ever comforted you? Has he ever blessed you in any way? If you can't think of it, uh, let me tell you what. You ought to realize that he sent his son to this earth to die for you. And, and so you could be saved and you ought to accept that great gift. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm sold out on the fact. If God never does anything else for me for the rest of my life, he did enough at Calvary. He did enough on the cross. He did enough when he accepted me into his family. I ain't one of these people that need more blessing from God. I'm not, I'm not one of these people that telling God uh, all these things that I need. I'm already overwhelmed that he, he allowed somebody like me to be in relationship with somebody like him. You, you need to figure out the great things God has done. Listen to what the, the Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 1. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his name. See, that's the heart of somebody who recognizes uh, uh, what God has done for them. And they're like, man, I can't pay him back, but I'm going to spend my whole life trying. I, I, I can't earn my salvation, but I'm going to prove my whole life out that I'm thankful for it. Verse 2 says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. You want to know when you stop praising him? You want to know when you stop being joyful? You want to know when you stop being thankful? You want to know when you stop following God the way you should? When you forget the good things that he has done for you. And that's why I'm going to tell you and tell you and keep telling you. Do what that hymn writer said. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. 
and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You ought to sit, stop your complaining and sit down and, 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 and count your blessings. Realize that God has done. See, there are some people literally that think God gave them the short end of the stick. I want to tell you something. You ain't seen the short end of the stick. Uh, if, if, if hell's not your portion, if you have hope of heaven, you got the better deal. God took the, 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 the less and gave us the best. In verse 3, he, he gets specific. He says, oh, y'all, y'all can't say amen with me yet. Verse 3, he said, he forgives all my sins. That's, that's enough right there. Why should I serve the Lord? Well, well, because what he done. What has he done? He forgave me of all my sins. See, see, this is why the Bible says those who've been forgiven much love him much. You find somebody who truly was out there buck wild in the world living for living the wrong way and they get real salvation they come into a real relationship with God and, and they're like man I can't help but to serve him after all the forgiveness he's been given me after all the things I've done and he, he says I'm clean and I'm forgiven after I should be in jail prison and everybody ought to hate me you sitting there wondering why people don't like me I don't have everything it's just not going listen God loves you God forgave you of your sins. And nobody in this room want to stand up right now. I don't care how sedity you are. I don't care how lily white you think your past is. And nobody in this room want me to put the four worst things they ever did on the screen right now. You don't want the people in this room to know some of the stuff that you've done. God already knows. And here's the cool thing. God decided to love us before we ever did anything right or wrong. He chose us before we ever auditioned. He said, I forgive you of everything and love you anyhow. The psalmist said he forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. People get tripped up on that. People short-range, limited-thinking folk get tripped up on that. People think... That, that, you know, well, well what, what about your wife, Pastor? Uh, she died of cancer. Well, 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 well I, I thought God healed all his children. I, 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 I had to walk through that. I had to work through that. Because when, when Gail was sick, and, and to the dumb moment she died, y'all heard my story, when she died in hospice, we didn't have a, a funeral home picked out. I, I didn't have a, 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 a graveside. I, didn't, I, didn't, I never even thought about where we would bury her because I was standing by faith in agreement that God was going to heal all of her disease. And so I had to walk through that. And I, and I never, you know, I never blamed God because, you know, God, God is better than we deserve. And I understand that. But I had to walk through and I had so many people, Pastor, why? Why don't you think, why didn't God heal? If anybody deserved, I had a young man write a letter. I've still got it in my credenza. He said, if God doesn't heal Miss Gale, I'll never come to church again, and I'll hate him forever. And I thought, you just don't know him at all. And she wrote a letter back to that young man, and she told him, don't let anything that happens in my life keep you from knowing the only real God that there is. I'm good. I'm okay. I want you to be okay, too. And I had to walk through it, and people went, why, 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 why didn't God heal her? And, and, and I, I finally got the revelation that I was able to share. God did heal her. She's in heaven right now, completely healed and totally fine. See, we, we get a short-term view of things. We, we look at right now. We want God to come through right now. We're so worried about our present condition, we can't rejoice in our eternal destination. 
But he is the God who, if he's forgiven you of all your sins, your diseases will one day all be healed. That's a promise from the Lord that you don't have to doubt. Verse 4, he said, he redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercy. I don't know about you, but it, it still gets me. Uh, man, when, when I hear somebody say, I got a home in glory land that outshines the sun, boy, that still gets me because I believe what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there you can be also. I want you to know, last 2,000 years, God's been getting ready a place for me, and I'm ready to be. Anybody ready to be in heaven right now? Hey, I, pfft, that, that'd, be, that'd be great. That'd be, some of y'all are like, no, not me, man. I'm, 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 I'm looking for that pulled pork sandwich at lunch today. I got plans, man. I'm hitting. I'm getting the family feast at Bono's today. Hey, nothing, not even the family feast at Bono's can compare to heaven. Can you say amen? There's something better waiting on true Christians. Verse 5, This here's the difference maker. Verse 5, he said this, and some of y'all can't agree with this. So, see, what amen, when someone says amen, that simply means I agree with that. You said something that I agree with. Now you're saying something I like. I, I recognize that that is the truth. In verse 5, he said something everybody can't say amen to. He, he said that God fills my life with good things. Oh, man. In the early days, I used to talk about my O-meters every service. I had an O-meter for everything, and I'd talk about hanging it on people's neck. If I, if I had, if, boy, if, if I just had my truth O-meter, I, I just, I just, I'd, I'd start, I'd, I'd go over here, and i hang it on, on Carmelita's neck, and I, and I, I just, does, has God filled your life with good things? And, and, and she'd answer, and I'd, and I'd put it on Jennifer's neck. Have God filled your life with good things? And whatever, and i say, I don't know if you really feel that, and I don't have a feel meter to find out if you really feel it deep down. But I want to tell you something. The fact that you are here, clothed, and in mostly your right mind, the fact that you hadn't given up and checked out, you, it, it just proves that God has filled your life with good things. You might not be recognizing them, but you need to take account of them, and you need to be thankful for them. You need to thank God for the good things you have. See, bitter people can't follow the Lord. They're mad at what they don't have. They can't be grateful for what they do have. And until you start being grateful for what you've got, God ain't going to give you more because he's a good father that don't spoil his children. He don't give whining, complaining, naysaying children more than they already have. And that's why I've told you, stop asking God for a bigger house if you don't take care of the one you got. Stop asking God for a better job if you're not faithful on the job that you are. Stop asking God for an easier situation if you're not serving him in the situation you've got now. Because I want to tell you something as somebody who can say, well, when I've been broke and I've been rich. I, I've been struggling, and I've been blessed. I've been hurt, and I've been happy. I've been sad, and I've been joyful. And, and I, I can tell you this. God was good to me at every turn. There was always good things God was doing for me at every turn. It is not, I want to, it ain't your money that you can trust in happiness. More rich people commit suicide than poor people. That's a fact. More educated people commit suicide than uneducated people. That is a fact. You, you say, well why, well, why would that be? I, I've said this before. Thank God. Listen, if you ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer, if you ain't the smartest person in your family, give God thanks for that. You ain't a suicide victim. You know why? Because you ain't a deep thinker enough to sit around and realize how bad you've got it. You're just happy that there's ice cubes in the freezer. 
thank God. How, how, how many people, it, it, if you have a refrigerator, and everybody don't have a refrigerator, let me, let me tell you something. If your name ain't on the lease, you don't have, my kids will tell you, they don't have a door on their bedroom. My children don't possess a bedroom. They live in one of my bedrooms. They, they, don't, they, don't, they can't slam their door in my house because they don't own a door in my house. And they don't own a refrigerator. That's why they can't stand in it all day long staring for They put two things in it anyway. What you looking at? <laughs> but if you have a refrigerator, if you have, okay, I'll open it up to kids too. If you live in a place with a refrigerator, how many people who live in a place with a refrigerator, that refrigerator is currently working to the best of your knowledge right now it's working? It's, it's cool. Are you happy? Are you glad for that? Let that thing go out and you come home, your whole house smell like rotten food. And you realize, I should have been. You wouldn't be happy then. But are we happy now? You got to think about, listen, I, I told you all before, I got to get out of here, but I told you, I got to say this again. I heard one preacher say, if you haven't, thank God for the hair in your nose today. You're not done with your giving thanks list. Because if it wasn't for the hair in your nose, and, and listen, some of y'all need to trim that up. I said the hair in your nose. Not the hair hanging out your nose. Amen. Uh, but if, you, if it wasn't for the hair in your nose, you'd choke to death on the dust. If you hadn't thanked God, listen, I can say this for sure because I've been through this. If you hadn't thanked God for every nail on your hand, I know you've lost nails. You bang your hand as much as I used to uh, when I worked with hammer. Losing one right now. If you hadn't thanked God for having a nail on all of your fingers and, and both thumbs, uh, you, you ain't run out of things to thank for. Because when you get that nail ripped off, oh, let's don't even get to a toenail. Go ahead and have to put a sock on with no toenail and, and, and be too much of a man to go to the doctor over it. You'll find out there's lots of good. Uh, if you got nails on your toes, you got good things. Y'all ain't helping me, so I'm going to keep going and get out of here. The third reason to thank God because time is short. Say time. John chapter 9, verse 4, look what it says. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. If you're ever going to do anything for God, if you're ever going to serve God, you've only got a limited amount of time. Jesus said, you got to carry these tasks out now. you got to do this quickly because time is short. When, I'm asking you this, when are you going to sell out to the Lord? You claim you're saved, when are you going to become a praying person? You claim you're saved, when are you going to become a Bible reading person? You claim you're saved, when are you going to start showing up to ladies' Bible study? You claim you're saved, when are you going to start showing up to men's group? You claim you're saved, when are you going to get right with God in your living and in your giving? Hmm. Hmm. See, here's the lie of the devil. Well, I'm going to do all that just as soon as, you know, my kids graduate. I'm going to do all that just as soon as uh, I, I, I move, just as soon as I get my new. Listen, procrastination is, is the trick the devil plays on you to keep you from ever being anything. This is the day the Lord has made. You better rejoice and be glad in it. And if you're ever going to be anything for God, you better get on with the getting on because time is short. People don't plan to fail. Nobody plans to fail. Well, no, 
no non-crazy person plans to fail, but they do fail to plan. You don't plan to fail, but a lot of people fail to plan. You better get a plan, because if you don't, one day it's going to hit you that much of your life has passed you by, and you never chased your dream. Much of your life passed you by, and you never served God wholeheartedly. And the Bible says that we must serve Him wholeheartedly. You either serve Him wholeheartedly or you're not. Last reason, number four, why should I serve the Lord? Because judgment is coming. If you won't serve Him because of His goodness, if you won't serve Him because of who He is, if you won't serve Him because of what He's done, if you won't serve Him because this is the only time we have to serve Him, you better wake up and serve Him because judgment is coming. You say, well, I'm saved. I don't have to. Uh, I, I'm free from the judgment. Salvation don't free you from the judgment. There are two major judgments in the Bible. There are many judgments in the Bible. The two major judgments in the Bible are the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. The judgment seat of Christ is a judgment for saved people. The great white throne judgment is a judgment for unsaved people. Listen to what the Bible says about the judgment seat of Christ, which is for every Christian. For we, when the Bible says we, who's it usually talking to? The author's including himself. This is talking to Christians. For we Christians must all stand before Christ to be what? There it is. There it is. You, th you think because you ask God to forgive you of your sins. Listen, you're not going to be judged for your sins. You're going to be judged for how you used your time, your tithe, and your talent. You're not going to be judged for your sins. If you get to this judgment, you breathe easy. You're in heaven. Your sins have been paid for. But all Christians one day will stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. It's not talking about good or evil sins. It's talking about did you do good or bad things with the things that God gave you. One day you're going to get to heaven, and it's going to go not exactly like this, but something like this. God, God's going to look at Nancy Rich. Jesus is going to look at Nancy Rich, and, and he's going to say, Nancy, I left my Father and heaven and all this glory to come to that cruel, wicked earth where I was spit on, mocked, beaten, stripped, naked, ridiculed, tortured, bled and died for your sins. Let's take a look at your life and see what you've done for me. And we're all going to have to stand there. I've had people tell me that, uh, they, that they think they're intimidated to come into my office, that they, they feel like they're being, you know, called into the principal's office. You think it's intimidating to go into the principal's office? Wait till you have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of glory and take an account of how you managed the blessings he gave you in your life. This, this, they, Paul, the, the one who wrote this passage under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, serve God now with everything you have because one day you're going to stand before him at this great judgment and you're going to have to give an account for everything about your life. Are, are, are you ready? Mm. Man, some of y'all had good mamas and daddies. Some, some, some of y'all had bad mamas and daddies. Some of y'all had, had parents that disciplined you the way they should. Some of y'all had mamas that way, told you, you wait in your room till your father gets home. Oh, uh, I, I'd be asking, uh, Mama, can't you just go ahead and whoop me now? No time like the present. Why put off till tomorrow? Uh, let's get this done. No, hey, sit in your room. You sitting there for uh, 10 minutes. It would be like an hour. You know, oh, my God, he's coming. You hear that door close, and you're like, oh, Jesus, this is bad. 
And you listen to how hard he slams the door when he comes in to see what kind of day he had. And you're like, oh, no, the double slam. It's, and, and you know you're about to have to face your father's music. I'm going to tell you something, Christian. You're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. You wonder why you should serve the Lord? Not only is time short, but judgment's coming. You're blessed if you get to the judgment seat of Christ because that's just for the purpose of rewards. That's for the purpose of receiving rewards or losing your rewards for the things that you did for God's glory. If you did them with the right heart and the right reason in the right way, you'll get a reward for it. Uh, if you didn't, that reward will be taken from you. That's what this judgment's about. The other judgment is for non-believers. And this is where Jesus opens up the books and shows your name is not written in this book anywhere. And then everybody's going to be like, check again. And that's where in, in Matthew chapter 7, where it talked about this judgment, he said, many will say unto me in that day, but Lord, I did all these things for you. I, I, I preached for you. I, I did miracles in your name. I cast out devils. There are going to be people standing in heaven saying, but I was a pastor. I preached for you. I was a worship leader. I led songs for you. I, I was an usher. I was a deacon. I was a church member. I was a choir member. I worked in food and class. There's going to be all these excuses. But if you don't have a real personal, intimate, life-changing, soul-saving relationship with a living God, all that other stuff is just stuff. You got to be saved for real because if you're not saved for real, judgment's coming. This, this, this other judgment talked about in Luke chapter 13, 27, this great white throne judgment for unsaved people. Scripture says, and he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. Well, at the end of time, God's in heaven in judgment. and He cast you away from him. He's not sending you to Alabama. It's heaven or hell. There's no in-between. This is the word of the Lord. And when he casts you away, listen to what the outcome is in the next verse, 28. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets into the kingdom of God, but you yourself will be thrown out. You are go if you're here and you're unsaved, this is going to happen in your life. You're going to be at this judgment, and when Jesus tells you, you do not get to live in heaven forever and cast you down into hell, you are going to see Abraham, Isaac, because the Bible says that at the great white throne of judgment, Jesus is sitting on the throne, and behind him are all those who followed him. Okay? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets. A prophet is someone who says something for God. Everybody who's saved has said something for God in their lifetime. So here's the truth. This is the sad truth. See, people think, oh, I'm going to be glad when I get to heaven. There's not going to be any more crying in heaven. Let me, let me straighten your theology up for you. There is going to be massive crying in heaven. There is going to be gut-wrenching, belly crying, eyes swollen, nose snot running, crying. There's going to be soul-shattering, heart-wrenching crying in heaven. You say, well, I don't believe that, Pastor. The Bible says there's, there's, there's no crying. The Bible does not say there's no crying in heaven. Get your theology from the Bible, not, not from fairy tales. The Bible says that at the end of time, God in heaven will wipe away all the tears from their eyes. Why will there be crying? 
in heaven. Why would God have to wipe away tears from people's eyes who are crying in heaven because of this? Because of the great white throne? Because of the judgment? Because I'm going to be standing behind Jesus, not because I'm a pastor, not, not because I live a good life, but because I accepted the payment Jesus made on the cross because I believe that Jesus lived a perfect life, died for me, and rose again on the third day because I have accepted his payment and I have confessed my sins and received salvation from the only God who can save me. I'm going to be standing safely behind him. But there's people that I love that aren't. And they're going to see me. And I'm going to be safe and they're not. I'm going to get to stay. See, everybody's going to heaven. At least for a minute. Some get to stay and some get cast out. Everybody's going to be in heaven at this great white throne judgment. The Christians are going to be safely behind the throne of God. The non-Christians are going to be standing in front of this judgment throne. And they're going to see you. Your unsaved friends are going to see you. Your unsaved family members are going to see you. Your unsaved co-workers are going to see you. How do you think that's going to play out? Why do you think you're going to need God to wipe the tears from your eyes when they're looking at you, screaming as they're being cast into a devil's hell? Why? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you, why didn't you make me understand? Why do you get to stay and I have to go? Why didn't you tell me this was real? Why did, why did you let me end up this way? You think there's going to be crying in heaven? crying on both sides there's going to be crying on the side of the people that don't get to stay there's going to be crying on our side for the people that we should have done a better job telling them about the Lord why should we serve the Lord because of who he is because of what he's done because time is short and because judgment's coming I hope that you're prepared for judgment I hope that you're prepared to stand before the Lord. I hope that you know that you know that you know that God's going to let you. One of the greatest questions ever asked in a witnessing scenario was if you stood before God today and he asked you why he should let you into heaven, what would you say? If your answer is because I did my best, you will not get in. If your answer is because I, I, I tried to be a good person, you won't get in. If your answer is because I never killed anybody, you won't get in. If your answer was because I went to church and helped out as best I could, you won't get in. If you stand before God and he says, why should I let you in heaven? The only answer that he says in his book will allow you in. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Your answer better be, because I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because I trust and have faith that your son lived a sinless life, that he died for my sins, and that he rose from the dead so I could get into your heaven. You say, well, I want a different way in. There's no other way in. Jesus is the only way. If you don't come through Jesus, you won't make heaven your home. Why should I serve the Lord? You ought to serve him just for who he is. He's so awesome. Get to know him. The more you get to know him, the more you'll love him. Why? Why, why, why should I serve the Lord? Because of what he's done. He's done.
done good things. You just need to start recognizing them. Why should I serve the Lord? Because this is the only time you'll ever have. The Bible says faith is what pleases God. You realize when you get to heaven, you will have no more faith? You ever consider that? Faith ends with this life. Faith ends for everybody with this life. Lost people, they, 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 they won't have faith in anything. They, they won't have to believe in something they can't see. They're, hey, listen, you'll know hell is real when you get there. Saved people won't need faith to believe in what they can't see. You'll know heaven is real when you get there. At that point, it, 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 the, the, the pleasing God by faith will be over. That's where the scripture says your faith will be made sight. You'll see it. You won't have to hope for it. You won't have to believe in it. For now, we have faith that there's a heaven. For now, we have faith that Jesus is on the throne. For now, But one day, it won't be faith anymore. It'll, it'll be sight. We'll see it with our own eyes. This is the only time you have to serve God by faith, and, and that pleases Him. Do you want to please Him? This is the only time you have this one life. There's no do-over. See, video games have wrecked people's mindset. You think you can just hit reset, start over? That's not how life works. You got one life to live, and it's going to be over before you know it. You don't believe it? You think you got a whole long time to live? Talk to somebody that's old. They'll tell you it went by quicker than they thought it would. Whether you have another 80 years, another 100 years left, or if this is your last day on earth, you better be ready to meet God. Serve Him now. Do like, do like Joshua and make a decision today that says, I'm putting my foot down. I'm drawing a line in the sand, and this is it. I'm going to serve him with all my heart. Me and my family, we're going to get this together, and we're going to serve him wholeheartedly. We're going to quit half-stepping. We're going to quit playing, and we're going to get. Listen, if you're here and you're not saved, quit faking what you don't have. Get saved today. If you're here and you are saved, quit stumbling through life and let God carry you. Quit stumbling through life trying to find your own way. Yield to his way and let him be that same shepherd to you that he was to David. Let him fill your life with good things, with rest and with peace and with joy, hope and a future. That's God's plan. But the only way you get there is to serve him with all your heart. Anything less is not what he deserves. Anything less does not honor him. Giving him partial obedience doesn't honor him. Whole heart. He told Jeremiah that you'll only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. That goes for lost and saved people. If you're here and you're unsaved, you might have walked an aisle many times, prayed with prayer many times, asked God to save you many times. Listen, if it didn't work, it didn't work. Do it till it works. You'll know when you do it. There come a time when you'll never have to walk another aisle again. People say, Pastor, do you believe in once saved, always saved? Now, that's a complicated question. I don't believe you, you can pray to get saved at eight years old, live like hell, and still go to heaven. No, I don't see that in the Scripture anywhere. But I believe this because I've seen it in the Bible. I've studied it out. I know it uh, theologically, and I know it experientially. Because I've walked more than one aisle. I've prayed more than one prayer. I've been baptized more than one time. And none of that ever stuck for me because I wasn't searching for God with my whole heart. I was doing different things. I was emotionally responding. I was looking for fire insurance. I wasn't ready. But I will tell you this. If you ever really get saved, 
you won't never even wonder about getting you, you won't ever even wonder about losing your salvation, giving up on God, or wondering how you could ever get saved again. If God ever saves you for real, you'll be saved forever. The Bible says salvation belongs to the Lord, and what God does, He does forever. Some of you fighting back and forth about your own salvation. Listen, either get saved or thank God for saving you, and let's get on with it. Time's short, and God deserves better. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die for us. God, I pray for every person in this room who's unsaved. Lord, I pray that you would make them keenly aware, even right now, that their salvation is not real. I pray that you would let them know they need real Holy Ghost, soul-saving, life-changing salvation. God, I pray that you would give them faith to be saved today. Lord, I pray for every person who is truly saved, God. I pray that you would ignite our hearts to serve you wholeheartedly. Let us live with an awareness of who you are. Let us live with an awareness that you are good all the time. Let us live with an awareness that time is short and judgment is coming. God, I pray, Lord, that you would transition us from one level of glory to the next, God. Do your work is my prayer. Your way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.